Welcome to Hope Talks Podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. We would love your feedback and invite you to take a short, anonymous survey. You can find the link to the survey in the show notes. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis. And I'm Margaret Michael. Thanks for tuning in today, and today we're joined by Matt and Susie Hinkle. How are you all doing today? Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. It's great to have Matt and Susie today, and they're here today to share their testimony with us. Would you all just, uh, whoever wants to go first and the other one can follow, would you all just start out telling us a little bit about where you're from and a little bit about how you grew up? Well, I grew up in Texas. Well, I was born in Kentucky, but grew up in Texas and went to college there, taught my first couple of years there, and then met Matt on a blind date. And we got married not too much later. And since then, we've moved all over the country, really. At one point, I think I was certified to teach in seven or eight different states. So, (laughs) um, but now we're here, we've landed in Virginia and we're not moving. Yeah. So, right. That's yeah. good news for us. Yeah. <laughs> and I grew up in New Mexico. I was born in New Mexico and we uh, moved around. My parents were in the job course. So we moved around quite a bit for a few years, which I remember some of that. Don't remember a lot of it. Dad was originally from Pennsylvania and I have a lot of family that lives in Virginia who I've never really connected with growing up, but, uh, but know now, but spent my whole life in Albuquerque. Uh, graduated high school at 17 and left off to college and never really went back home. Uh, Well, we did, I mean, for visiting and whatnot, but met Susie when I was in, I went to the military academy up at West Point. So it was a blind date. My roommate grew up with Susie and, um, you know, we met that weekend and that was in a February and really didn't connect again until the next August. But then we were married six months later, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, happened (laughs) happened pretty quick. When you know, you know. That's right. That happened to my husband and I, six months. Yeah. So did you all, like, thinking about your childhood, did you all grow up? Was church a part of your life? When did that come into play for you all? From the moment I was born, my parents were very involved in the church. And so I grew up in the church, going to church every Sunday, Sunday school. And then when I got older, the town I grew up in was tiny. I had 15 in my graduating class. So um, when you got to high school, when you were um, involved in things, my best friend and I taught a Sunday school class for Mm -hmm. the three and four-year-olds. And um, really small youth group, but that's kind of um, the pastor that was at our church when I was in high school uh, was very instrumental in really honing in my relationship mm-hmm. with the Lord. And the, like I said, the youth group was small, and we would go river rafting trips and you know things like that in a core group of like maybe six, eight kids. Mm-hmm. And he was really instrumental in bringing my faith to you know, kind of to a head and and realizing that relationship and how important it is. And he was consequently the pastor who married us. So, yeah, so always, always involved in the church. Yeah, Yeah, we both grew up United Methodists. I was less active in church. Mom was such a strong Christian. Dad, less so. And so it was those things where Sundays sometimes were optional. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they weren't. We were probably the Christmas. Mom went most Sundays, but we were probably the Christmas and Easter, Mm -hmm. you know, attendance. But I always felt I had a strong relationship. Always Mm -hmm. felt, you know, not until later did, you know, I kind of realize those feelings. But I remember when I was 14, I was at a Continental Singers concert and I just felt the presence of God and um, I felt myself standing up 
mom looked at me like I was, you know, what's going on? And that's that's the day that uh, I gave my life to Christ. So I was 14 is uh, I had a, a, a solid thought that that, you know, I, I know the day that I turned my life over to Christ. Um, Susie, less so. Susie's been more of a lifelong process. I mean, you just have always had a strong faith. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the times that we've been through, um, you know, you go through difficult things in your life yeah. and every one of those aspects um, brings you that much closer and that much more of an understanding of why you need to lean on the Lord and also the good times in life, you know, right. the birth of our babies and our right. marriage and things like that. So, but the faith, like I said, high school really kind of brought it into focus, but it has always been there, not like a quick conversion experience like right. Matt's more yeah. so. Right. Yeah. right. The other foundational pieces along the way that you can point to, like that concert where you and it doesn't even have to be exact events, but just different things that have helped your faith grow over the years. Yeah, for me, um, it's always been through challenges and suffering. I played football uh, through high school and, and most of college, and there's the injuries that are associated with that. I had some pretty bad um, musculoskeletal things, back and knees and, and things like that, um, that I, anytime I was ever in trouble, physically or, or emotionally, I always found myself going back to the Bible, you know. But uh, during the summers, during my high school uh, time period, a couple summers, I went to a Baptist church down the road, had a really good music program, so I'd travel around with uh, it was a, a youth choir. We'd travel to Texas and Colorado, and that took up most of the summer months, and it was a lot of fun. Learned a lot about other faith practices and realized that nobody's got patent on Jesus. You know, everybody's worships in a different way, right? And then uh, going through West Point, my roommate and I would go to chapel most Sundays, and he's the one who introduced me to uh, Susie. And But I really didn't know what it was like being a part of a community until after I met Susie. Susie was really so active in church, and I never had the experience of being really active in church. And I didn't realize all the way through college and marriage what it meant to be part of a, a church community. But Susie knew that. And so there was that struggle the first couple of years that we were married. We weren't struggling, but she wanted to be active in a church. And I was more into thinking, well, you go on Eastern, you go on Christmas. And, you know, yeah. And so, you know, we were in the Army after West Point. We were in the Army. We spent most of our time in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. But really, we're not active in a church. But when we moved to Pennsylvania, yeah, we became really active in Sunday school. And I got active in music. And, and uh, that's carried us. Since then, I realized what it was like to be amongst a community of believers and, you know, and people who are struggling with life and uh, you can share whatever you need to share and uh, be able to go through things together. I never had that. And Susie was a, just a great influence on me in, in being able to connect with that. So since then, and we have moved a lot. We have moved a lot. <laughs> this is, I don't know. 11. Yeah, something wow. like that. We have moved a lot. But we've had such good community of friends and believers, mainly through church, wherever we live. We spent a long time in Michigan, had a really terrific small group in Michigan, just a community of people that we uh, lived, that we did life together with. Really good experience in Syracuse, New York, right, which was, you know, really terrific experience in Pennsylvania the first time. Lancaster, yeah. Yeah. And then fast forward 15, 20 years, we found ourselves in Jacksonville, Florida, and found a church on Jacksonville Beach that immediately got involved in. Mm -hmm. So, but the last two or three 
locations, it's taken us a while to find a church. Mm -hmm. Because again, we were always in the United Methodist tradition and things are changing in the United Methodist church and there's a split going on. And and, uh, we just, you know, we wanted some stability. So it took us a while to find a church when we were in York, Pennsylvania. Took us a while to find this church, even though Randy Aikens had always spoken highly of it. And this is where we found our way here. Um, And then when we found Miss Pearl's life group. Mm -hmm. um, Oh, yeah. You know, it's been terrific. Um, and now we're to the point where we just joined the church, and, and now it's trying to find out, okay, where's our ministry going to be? Yeah. Um, okay. And I think a lot of that delay over the last two or three moves is because you get tired, mm-hmm. you know? You're tired of saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're trying to find your home. Right. So, yeah, yeah, that's important. And you kind of get into a sense of, like he's saying, okay, well, we know, because a lot of our moves have been like four years. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Okay, in four years, and we're not going to be here anyway. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. easy to fall into that rut. Mm-hmm. Um, and But like he said, what a blessing. And God wants us to be in community. Yes. And yes. when we get in community, like he said, the things that you go through, and we've all been through things in life, the things you go through, good, bad, you've got people there. And yes. they don't judge. And they hold you accountable when need be, but mm-hmm. they don't judge. And they pray for you. And we can look back and say, the different places that we've been, the difference it's made when we've jumped mm-hmm. in and we've been part of that community and right. we've joined a small group. And you know that something happens in the middle of the night. You can call anyone in that small group That's and right. be there in five yeah. seconds. You know. Yeah. And I learned a long time ago that I just got to keep reminding myself that it's not, you know, you can't find a church that's going to be the perfect church and find the community. That, okay, this is the perfect community. You find a church and then you make it what it is. You mm-hmm. get involved and it becomes your community. And um, so we're in a little different phase of our life where all of our kids live across the country and our grandkids are, we have two in New Mexico and two in Florida. And so we spend a lot of time trying to travel to be with them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, things are beginning to settle down again after this Mm -hmm. last move. And, um, and so we've talked a lot. Okay. What, you know, we are part of a, uh, the engagement community down in Florida, spent a lot of time working with greeting people, new members and things like that. Been really involved in, in music at other churches and uh, praise teams. And Susie's been very involved. She did all the church plays. And, you know, we... we I taught school for 23 years, so... I got, got, like, pulled in. Yeah, yeah. So we've we've done a lot of different things. And now we're thinking, okay, where can we make the best, most impact, you Mm -hmm. know? And the thing is, not to delay it. We feel like we're in a delay period of, let's just, let's pick something and do it. Yeah. So we're to that point right now. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about that, but I want to go back to... When you were wanting to go to church and you weren't, I think that that's a little bit of a trend we see. Mamas want to get their kids to church. And what was it that really held you back from that? Like when you looked at that, I know you were Christmas and Easter, but what was it that kind of held you back from that? And then when you got there, what was the tipping point for you to go, man, I need this? Like, because I think there are people listening today that might be in that category of not wanting to, like, we're getting ready to start life groups here. And what are families missing? What are people missing because they haven't? And you know the things that held you back. So people might be able to identify with what you're saying and be encouraged. Yeah. I, um, you know, being that I did give my life to Christ when I was 14, I, you know, and I didn't know what never had been active in Sunday school or anything like that, you know. So I guess I just didn't know what being part of a community was. Yeah. And and when we did go to churches, you're thinking, you know, you're, you're sitting there and, you know, and 
listen to, maybe you're not connecting with the sermon, mm-hmm. right? And so it's just in a wrong perspective. I always thought going to church, you're there for an hour, you're listening to the music, you're, you're listening to the sermon, you're going home, and there is so much more to church than that. There's so Amen. much more to being part of a community than that. It's the relationships that matter, you know? And, you know, this, and I didn't have this back then, but these days people are struggling because it's the consumer mentality, you know, who's got the next best thing, you know, yeah. the, and you're missing so much of what being a part of the community is when you're trying to figure out, you know, am I going there to be entertained or am I going there to be a, a part of a community of believers that really make an impact yeah. for the world, right? Yeah. So, but that was it. And it's when we moved to Pennsylvania and we joined a Sunday school class and I started realizing you know, I was a major college football player, warrior. I was in the army, right? Fight, you know, trained to, to go to battle. And I had all these guards you know, on me. Like, yeah, I don't really want to you know, share everything with Susie, but I'm, you know, why don't you, you know, because I'm also an emotional wreck most of the time, right? So <laughs> I wear my heart on my sleeve. And I didn't realize. And so I, one of the best things that could have happened to us when we were at our uh, new our Pennsylvania church in Lancaster, where there was a guy. I don't know what part of the defense department he was in, but he was gone a lot. And when he came back, he had a different scar every time he came back. And he could never tell us where he was, but he was in the group, right? He was also struggling with his marriage, and she was in the group too. And I think, okay, well, we have this marriage thing down. And he's also a, a warrior and a hardened person. And he's sharing everything. I'm thinking, it's okay to, for the guard to come down and to be able to communicate where you are in life. You know, and what you're struggling with. We had small kids and the challenges and that. And so, yeah, and that's when I, that church is when I first really, other than during high school, really got involved in music was at that church. And, you know, there's a, you know, that was a small United Methodist church in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, Otterbein United Methodist Church, what that was. That's still there. Wow. But, um, yeah. That's helpful. I think that you're talking about, you know, when you've been in the military and, you know, you do have these these walls. I mean, we all, no matter where we are in life, but I think those are extremely high because of the things that you've experienced. So I think that's just helpful because no matter what things come to our mind that would make us believe that we're different and that people wouldn't understand or we couldn't share, we all have them, but they're different. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. Do you have anything to add to that? Like as the one who was really pushing, um, this is something that you desired I guess I just know growing up, there were times when I was annoyed, you know, really, you're going to make me go to church? You're going to make me join a Sunday school class? Mm -hmm. You know, you go through those phases, middle school age, you know, early high school. And, but I also knew the comfort that it brought and the stability. And we had had our first two kids in Oklahoma and it's like, our kids are going to be raised in the faith. It's not a choice. This is happening, you mm-hmm. know. And I did, there were a couple of Sundays or maybe more that I went on my own, mm-hmm. you know, and he didn't go. But I also knew that he had a faith. I knew he just was kind of choosing to do it on his own terms. But then, like he said, when we got to Pennsylvania, to Lancaster, and we got in that small group, mm-hmm. um, it was a Sunday school class. People were real. People were fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, you know, this is pretty cool stuff here. Right. Um, And like he said, throughout the course of our moves, the times that we haven't done that, we've regretted. We should have done that. And um, well, we knew that was the first natural step when we moved here too. was find a small group. Find a small group. That was our first step. And what a blessing our small group is. Mm -hmm. And it's so diverse. Our group is like couldn't be more diverse. Yeah. But when we get together. We pray, you know, we pour our heart out, and we just know that 
every single person in there is struggling with something, something like you said. Big, something big. Something big. Big things happening in people's lives. Right now, our small group, and we're there in prayer. I mean, yeah. Big things happening. Yeah. It's been said that we're either uh, getting ready for a storm or in a storm or we're just coming out of a storm. Is that not the truth? Oh, that's the, oh my gosh. And, you know, and I've learned all my lessons in life uh, through suffering. Yes. I really have. Now, when we were in Jacksonville, I became really good friends with a guy named Eastman Curtis, right? Oh, my stars. And so Eastman was kind of an itinerant preacher for a long time, but he was active in our church. And he and I, and we were in a small group, and he sees through the prism of joy everything joy and he had been through more stuff in his life than i'd ever been through and so he and i at our small group I mean, we would debate back and forth i'm like i i think you gotta learn through suffering he goes well i think you gotta learn through joy <laughs> you know? and i think we were so good for each other he probably taught me a lot more than i could teach him but uh yeah i tell you it's it's the times and maybe it's because we had the anxiety class right and, and so susie's like well we, 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 i think susie i need this class i mean it's my, it seems like my, you know, it's, it's the perfectionism mentality. Um, and that just creates, I always want to be the best. I always want to be, you know, that's why we move so much. I always told the company I'd do whatever I needed to do. And there, there's many, many moves to the point where we moved here and said, that's it, you know. But um, just the anxiety of it all. And so, you know, just a personal practice. I wake up five o'clock every morning. I just spend an hour and a half with God every single morning. Yeah. You know, I have to. I just have to. That is how I overcome and then I seem to be okay for the rest of the day until the next morning. Yeah. You know? His mercies are new every morning, yeah. right? Yep. Lamentations 3. Yep. And as you were talking, Matt, I was thinking about how, you know, joy and happiness are two different things. Right. And joy is something that we have even through the good and the bad. It's not just something through the good times. And I was also thinking about what Pastor Margaret just said about suffering endures through the night, but joy right. comes in the morning. Right perseverance yeah yeah it's so important i remember there was a time where we moved back to new mexico to run a company back there for a little while and we were there for six, six years. years i remember each one of our we have three kids and each one of them was going through something mm-hmm. i can't remember if tony was in the army or, or casey was in, tony York. Can't was remember. in iraq something was going on with each kid and our youngest was still in high school and it was i just didn't know how to fix these things for these kids and so every lunch i went spent the hour in my car at a Coles parking lot, right, off of Paseo del Norte in Albuquerque, <laughs> and I fasted and prayed every day. Mm. And no progress, no progress, no progress. And then that Friday, I, I just kept feeling closer and closer and closer throughout the week. And that Friday, I just was praying. And I you know, I just felt, I just kind of turned on, and it's either Israel Houghton or, well, was a friend of God, right? And the first mm-hmm. verse of that is, who am I that you're mindful of me, right? And that's, you know, and I love that song, right? So it was probably Israel Houghton's version of it because that's the kind of music I like. And I just, I said, well, I'm going to open my Bible app. And boom, I was at Psalms 8-4, you know, which was, who am I that you're mindful of me? I'm thinking, all right, I got it. He's here. He, yes. You know, that is not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. He's here with me. Finished prayer that day. and Each kid called that day. And right after the other Every situation was resolved. Not in the way that I was praying for, but every situation. And one of the situations was, oh, that wasn't, I don't, you know, kind of like, I'm thinking, I was worried about it all week long, and it was already solved, right? right? But, you know, since I've been little, I've always felt that these period of times, I can, I've always felt access to God. I've never felt like I was cut off, unless I really was, you know, straight away, and, and, and gone on to the worldly thing. You know, I just, but I've always felt that, you know, I always feel that there's that direct access, and he's always 
listening, you know. Mm -hmm. And just those, I've never heard him speak, but I've felt them speak. Mm -hmm. Well, the audible is louder than that, right? Louder than that. (laughs) Yeah. Right? And now we're dealing with some things with, you know, uh, children with anxiety issues, deconstruction issues. Mm -hmm. PTSD. Yeah, things like that that we're constantly in prayer for our kids and and for, you know. And some of the things, the challenges that some young parents have right now are parents that are college-age kids is when they go off to college, you know, odds are they're not coming out with the faith that they're going in with. Mm-hmm. And that's, Susie and I are praying every day for that type of thing, not just for our kids, but for other kids going through mm-hmm. that, because there are so many things that are not just a distraction, but, uh, you know, the social media aspect of it just that are just causing people. people. Yeah, that are just causing people to... Um, Turn their backs. Yeah. You know, yeah, so that's a burden. I think that's an area that we think about. <laughs> so, you know, right. Yeah. So God is good. Oh, and there is no doubt that he is good. And, you know, you're talking about just being focused in prayer and how God gives you the song that ministers to you, the scripture, and like that divine moment mm-hmm. that you know heaven touches earth and mm-hmm. that he sees where you are. And then you realize that he sees where your children are mm-hmm. and that he loves us my mom went many lengths to pray for me while I was lost. I say that her prayers are the reason that I'm where I am today because she was perseverant and relentless in prayer for me. She was my prayer warrior. And it didn't really, for a long time, didn't look like it was making any difference. Yeah. Um, but, you know, God knows where we're at. I love the scripture in Isaiah 40. It says God sets enthroned above the circle of the earth and he sees us like grasshoppers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that didn't. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. Yeah. Uh, but... You think about what does a grasshopper do? They're always on the move. Right. And if he knows each one of them and sees where each one of them is, how much more does he see his children? Right. right. And so that scripture just gives me such peace in knowing, yes, he's with me, but he's with those I love. Right. Mm-hmm. And he loves them more than I ever will. Right. You know, those moments are just so faith building yeah. that we can trust him on a deeper level. Um, when you speak about the, the prayers of your mother, um, Susie and I are married because of the prayers of her father. <laughs> <laughs> His only prayer was, I hope she can meet a United Methodist man. <laughs> he was, she was so diehard well, United Methodist. And she was in outside of Lubbock, Texas teaching, and I was in upstate New York, and we had one connection, and that was through my roommate. And it would go into a lot more. I truly believe I had major knee surgery when I was a senior in high school, which ruined all my college football plans, but I truly believe I blew out my knee in high school so that I could meet Susie Hinkle mm. four years later, five years later, however long it was. I truly believe that God had me and he, where he wanted me, to, wanted me to be. And um, I used to dream about her before I met her, you know, and I didn't realize until after um, I met her that, oh, that's, you know, I remember having these dreams, these vivid dreams of just being on adventures with somebody who I could never see their face. You wow. Know? And um, I knew immediately after we met that, that, you know, Susie was the one that God was revealing her to me. You know, yeah. so I haven't made it easy for her over the last 38 years, We've been 38 years now, but, um, you know, I truly believe that men don't grow up until they turn 31, you know, but, um, yeah, so we've, it's been a wonderful, never have we ever felt, um, disconnected in any way, uh-uh. ever. And we've never really argued. We've had big disagreement, never really argued, but we've been through some stuff. You know, with kids and with work and with, we've been through, you know, we've been through some really big things together. And most recently we lost all of our parents within six um, months, six months of each. His mom in November, my dad in February, and then my mom in May. He was there for almost all three of them, but 
there directly as the primary care. Well, for both my parents, it was, yeah. During COVID, I remember that we were separated during a a lot of COVID because she was down there with her parents. Mm. But But the fact that I was able to know where they're going and know that we will be reunited. And they were both 89 years old and had been married 67 years, I think, Mm -hmm. and, you know, had had a wonderful life. And I just remember... Daddy had been in the hospital for 11 days, and they moved him to hospice. And my brother and I, you know, we were like, okay. And he was almost gleeful because he knew, you know, I'm going to be reunited with the Lord, and my pain and suffering is done. And my brother and I were like, Daddy, you know, he he wanted the remote control, and he wanted to know what they were going to serve him once he got into hospice care. Daddy. He wanted his mail. (laughs) People come here to die. This is... You know, and he goes, well, I want to be comfortable if I'm on my way out, you know. <laughs> um, and, you know, God giving you those little moments of, it's okay. Yes. You know, it's going to be okay. And then um, with mother, I remember our daughter, who is strayed right now. Mother, like Matt said, it was during COVID, and she had fallen and broken her hip. And they were going to send her to rehab to get her to walk again. And I'm like, she's in a wheelchair. She's not going to walk again anyway. So we brought her home to their assisted living, and they allowed me to come in, which mm-hmm. that in and of itself was a blessing in COVID. Mm-hmm. And um, I was her caregiver um, with, you know, medication and things like that with hospice. And I remember our daughter was very bitter and she said, you know, I just don't understand. And at that point we didn't know how far she was straying from her faith. If there's a God, why would he allow her to suffer like that? And I said, well, you know, I choose to look at it from the viewpoint that God allowed me to get there in the middle of COVID. God allowed us the means to get me there. God has given her relief through pain medication, things like that. And I get to be with her during her last days. And so it wasn't easy. And I was pretty angry at God during that time. And I thought, you know, it's okay. It's okay to be mad at him. He can handle it. That's right. Um, (laughs) True. But I couldn't understand why he was keeping her. And that was rough. Yeah. But I knew where she was going. And I knew she was going to be reunited with Daddy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm sorry. That's all right. But yeah, that's been a big PTSD thing for Susie because it was back to back to back and you were your mom's primary caregiver. And so you're you're just doing what the hospice people tell you to do. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you think that you've just caused your parents to die. And it's obviously that's not the truth. But you came home with that and struggled with that for a long time, you know. So, <laughs> but then Matt said, "Well, if I'm in that situation, you better give me the meds." <laughs> oh, honey, don't worry, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? No, we just bought a bed the other day. Uh, this I know this is way off track, but we just bought a bed the other day, and it's one of those that the, we haven't gotten it yet. But the, the backs raise up, you know. So we're you know the young guy who was selling us because we needed it. We our bed is so old. The guy was selling it to us, and we were sitting there just saying, well, that, that thing's going to last 20 years. That'll be our hospice bed. And he's like, what? You know? <laughs> well, That's I mean, let's be, let's be practical about it. Yeah. You know, this is our last yeah. bed we're ever going to buy. That's so, right. Yeah. You know, you talked about when you were there, and I think during the time that you were with your mom, you might have found out that your daughter wasn't exactly where thought she was right and that's hard to find those things out but it helps us to better pray Mm -hmm. and understand our daughter is a wonderful person a wonderful mother wonderful heart Uh, my prayer is this that uh, god reveals himself to her again and absolutely uh, and we love her to death we talk to her every day there's no it's a wonderful relationship 
but there's a there's a gap there because you know we want for our kids what we have, and it's right. it's hard to describe until you've been through some stuff in life. Mm-hmm. Oh, what it's like to rely on God, and yeah. you know what it's like to really be saved. And until you can really understand some of the deeper the meat of the theology to realize how far we are from God and how easy it is to accept the bridge mm-hmm. of Christ. Yeah, yeah. you know, because we are without Christ, we are. Yeah. Hopelessly distant, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's hard to describe that to yeah. some of the people. Yeah. Yeah. And he is, he's faithful, and, you know, I'll say this, God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. Mm-hmm. And so just like he pulled you in, mm-hmm. in that provenient grace that we believe in, in our theology, that Wesleyan theology, mm-hmm. that provenient grace that draws us from the time we're born until the day we die, that draws us to God is just as available to her as it is to us sitting around this table today and trusting that God will bring people into her life and to draw her and all of those that we love. I'm so grateful that that's the God we serve, Mm -hmm. that we can trust him because that's a tough one. But um, I can say today as we close that God is faithful. Um, He restores what the locusts have eaten and um, somehow he can set up just like he did around us people that are filled with him and those divine appointments that with God himself are possible. So I'll say that to everyone listening today, that um, there's hope. As long as there's breath, there's hope. And I uh, look forward to this story um, unfolding as to how God will work. But um, our job is to pray in love, and it sounds like you are doing that. So thanks for being those parents. Oh, sure. (laughs) And the power of prayer together as a couple. Yes. Amen to that. Amen to that. Well, Matt and Susie, thank you for joining us on Hope Talks today. It's been great to have you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Matt and Susie Hinkle's testimony today, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area. We invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.